You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Today is episode 217. And for all my listeners from Utah or in Utah, it's Pioneer Day. So a lot of you probably have the day off. But uh, 24th of July, growing up in Utah, that was, was always a big holiday. So for all of you Utahns out there, uh, happy 24th. So today's podcast episode title is Black Mold Testing 101. And, you know, black mold, when we test, you know, the test for, for black mold is really no different. When we say black mold, that's stachybotrys. The test is no different um, for any other mold types, meaning if we think it's black mold, there's nothing that we're going to do different compared to the common mold types like penicillium, aspergillus, cladosporium, all those things. But I, I talk about mold testing a lot when it comes to remediation. You know, we do testing after obviously we're done with the project. So it's something that obviously is very important in the mold journey. Um, it's very important if you're sick and you're not sure what you're sick from. But I do want to be clear and I have said this numerous times and I'll say it and say it and say it forever. Testing is not conclusive when you believe, let's just say you believe you're sick from mold exposure and you hire a mold inspector, mold tester, mold specialist, whatever you want to call it, mold assessor. If they come in and they do testing and they come back to you and they say, nope, everything's fine. That's not a way to conclusively say, no, there's not a mold concern. That is not something that I am okay with. I don't allow any of our technicians to do that. Any of you that have been clients or had consultations with me know that mold testing by itself is 
never, never the proper way to determine the air quality of a home. And the reason I say that is, you know, you could have testing done and let's just say you only have air testing done. You could have testing done and the conditions could have been perfect for the stachybotrys, the toxic mold spores to not be airborne. Um, they are a heavier, stickier mold type. So they're typically not always airborne, but obviously it depends on on the conditions of the property, the time of day. I mean, there's, there's tons of factors that go into play when it comes to that. But my point is, is it could be something that our air test doesn't pick up and that doesn't mean it's not a problem. And, you know, I just, I, I get frustrated with other professionals that do things like come in, run tests and then come back and say, nope, everything's fine. There's so many concerns I have with that. First and foremost, for the most part, there's no such thing in my opinion as a pass or fail to mold testing. You know, there are certain clients, especially when you get like into the government or companies or people that are highly educated when it comes to mold concerns, they might have standards um, that you have to meet when you're doing their testing. But I still don't even believe fully in that, that when they say, well, if you have less than three times the mold spores than you do outside, then we're good. Like, I, I don't I don't buy into that. And the reason I want to be clear about that is, is you must have a mold inspection first and foremost before you even decide what kind of testing you have to have. That's, you know, something I want all of you listeners to understand. You, you, I know it's easy. You want to just get online, you know, run to your local hardware store, find some sort of testing kit, do it yourself because you can't afford a professional. And then the lab sends you the results and they don't see any stachybotrys. And so you think everything's fine. Don't do that. You're not doing yourself a favor. You're not doing anyone in your home that a favor. And I get it. You know, it might be cheaper to spend, you know, $200 to do all the testing yourself versus paying someone like myself or, you know, any mold specialist. It all depends on what they charge, but, you know, six, $700. And at the end of the day, you're going to get what you pay for. So keep that in mind. Testing by itself is not the way to go. We've gone over this many times. Um, and as you would all know, I do a podcast every week. So there's lots of stuff we repeat, um, but nothing's ever exactly worded the same way. So the types of testing that we do, and when I say we, I'm talking about myself um, and companies similar to CNC contractor services. I'm not saying all companies do it. And I'm not saying that everybody has to do what I'm, I'm talking about. But for the most part, there's four different types of testing that we do as professional. You can do an air test, which is done with an aerosol cassette. I've done podcasts about that, but essentially it is this little circular cassette that we hook up to a low volume air pump and it sucks air through this cassette. It has a slide in the middle of it and we run it for on the inside, typically five minutes, unless we think that the air is contaminated, then we'll cut it in half, run it for two and a half minutes. We unhook it, tape up the ends, send it off to a lab. But when we do air tests, we always do a baseline sample and that's taken from the exterior. We don't we don't take a baseline from what we deem as a maybe clean area inside a home. It's always taken from the outside. And the purpose of that is so that we can see what mold types are present outside because geographically, like 
if you're in Florida, you're going to have different mold types than we do in Wyoming and Utah. It's just natural mold spores are going to be different uh, in different areas. Now, just because on an air test, we pick up something inside the home that's not outside, that doesn't mean it's a fail. That doesn't mean it's a problem. As you can imagine, there's different mold spores associated with plants, foods, um, wet building materials. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the outside sample has to be the same as the inside. That's an air sample. The second one is a swab test. And the swab test is literally like a Q-tip. And it's actually, the swabs we use are medical grade. They're the same swabs that your doctor will swab the back of your throat for strep. Um, like I said, it's actually, that's the same thing that we use. We literally take that swab, we roll it over the suspected mold or on the surface we're testing. We put it back in the sleeve that it comes in. We send that off to the lab. I'm not a big fan of those. Our labs don't like those. They would prefer a tape lift. And so the tape lift is the next thing we do. And it's literally like a piece of tape, scotch tape, and you can literally put it on the surface. It picks up whatever's on the surface. We put it back in its sleeve. We send that off to the lab. The lab analyzes it. Now, the reason the labs and myself, we prefer a tape lift is you literally just take the piece of tape, you push it down. Let's just say it's on the top of your desk. You push it down on it. You pull it off. You put it back in the sleeve and you're done. If you take something in, in, in this that same surface and you roll it back and forth, it really kind of smears the mold spores and it makes it a lot harder for the lab technician to analyze that. So when it comes to a tape lift or swab, I prefer tape lifts. You have the aerosol cassette for the first one, a swab, and then you have a tape lift. The fourth one we do is a bulk sample. So when I say bulk, it's B-U-L-K. And a bulk sample is pretty simple. Um, all it is, is let's just say that you have a piece of insulation up in your attic and you believe your attic is all contaminated and it's all full of mold spores. What we do is we take the actual insulation and we don't take that much. It's usually the size of a Ziploc bag, the quart size. If we're dealing with something, you know, maybe a little larger, we might use, you know, a larger bag. But for the most part, we use a small bag and we literally take the insulation and we put it in a Ziploc bag and we send that off to the lab. We obviously label it. We number it for all of our chain of custody things. That's what we do for bulk sample. And I'm sure a lot of you are wondering, like, well, why would you do a bulk sample or when? It's not that often um, that I personally have done them. You know, if we do have, let's just say... We'll go back to the insulation analogy. Let's say we have an attic that we don't see any any water stains on the, the subroof or the roof trusses. But obviously everything as far as the top of the ceilings, the backside of your sheetrock, all of that's covered in insulation. And maybe you think there's a problem up there, but we don't really see anything. We can run an air test and we can also do a bulk sample. So take some of that insulation and just make sure that it's not contaminated. There is a situation I talked about. It's actually in um, my last book, Inside Toxic Mold. There was a, a case study we did or I wrote about where I had a client that wasn't sure if they had farmer's lung. Uh, the Mayo Clinic pretty much ruled that out, um, but we wanted to rule it out on, on the mold side of everything. And that farmer's lung, they believe, was from hay. So we actually took a sample of that hay and we sent that to the lab. So you now that's another situation where we do that. So I'm sure a lot of you are wondering, you're like, okay, you told us the four different types of testing, but you never mentioned PCR testing, which is 
PCR testing is uh, DNA-based testing, and that's things like ermine, hurts me. I think there's a new one out there called like Emmy or Emma, Emma testing. PCR testing, we don't, and I get asked about it quite often, we don't really do a whole lot of that, and we did episodes on ermine, hurt, hurts me testing. Uh, those are way back. I'm not even sure. I think they're like episodes 34 and 35, and we're at 217. So if you go back, if you want to listen to those episodes, we did talk about the ermine hurts me but it's not i'm not saying that they're bad i'm not a fan of ermine testing and you know people that are really big fans of it i'm not saying you're wrong it's just what i do i'm not the medical side of it i'm not a microbiologist so the dna uh, side of mold types and it's a very specific test isn't really relevant and i know as listeners you might say well how is that not relevant it's because we're focused more on the building itself um of course the mold is a concern but at the end of the day and this is just my opinion i don't really care about the specifics of you know each the dna and and that part of the mold if we have water stains and invisible mold growth and all that i I don't really care and it's a waste of time for me to do pcr testing and a lot of the pcr testing is more do it yourself and i want to be clear that you know doing that by itself once again just like i said earlier you can't just do an ermy test and go yep here's the score they gave me and everything looks great you have to have an inspection that's just if you don't have an inspection I can't help you, honestly. I mean, I can look at your results and say, yeah, that's not good. Yeah, that's really bad. But if we don't have a property assessment and a proper one done, you know, with an infrared camera, moisture detector, I mean, going in the attic, getting on the roof, all those things, it's really difficult for for me to come to a conclusion, even as a mold specialist. So that's why you know, the four different types of testing, the PCR, I don't talk about that because we don't do it. You can order those online. And I, I just, once again, I'm not a fan of them, not because they're not accurate or because I think they're junk for what I do. I'm just not a fan of them. So anyhow, the next question most people would ask, like, so how, how do you know what type of testing you need? So I don't go in and do, you know, a mold assessment or we do VPAs online. I don't do an assessment of the property property and just go, yep, everything looks good. Now, if everything looks good and based on what you've told me and what the questionnaire you filled out is telling us, I might say, okay, so we did a visual inspection. We checked out the crawl space. We looked in the attic. We looked behind the water heater. We looked underneath the sinks. We looked at the air handler. We just don't see a whole lot of concerns. I don't just say, yeah, you're fine. Now, what I would do in that situation is I would do some air testing, and typically we always would like to have air testing. But on the other hand, I don't like to only do air testing. Going back to what I was telling you before, mold spores, depending on the mold type, they have different consistencies, different weights, um, tackiness. Like stachybotrys, black mold, is a heavier, stickier mold. And so... When those mold spores are, uh, you know, floating around in the air, a lot of times, like if they hit something like a desk or the baseboard of, on on the wall at the base of the wall, they will stay there. And once again, these aren't just there's only ten spores in the house, and all ten of them are sitting on on the baseboards. You know, stachybotrys comes from wet building materials, so 
there, it, if it's a, a viable mold infestation, it's our, it's always creating mold, more mold spores. So uh, my point is, is if we think the house looks good, we do air testing and then we're going to do some tape lifts. Um, I told you a scenario earlier with insulation in an attic where we could do bulk samples, but I typically don't go to that. But I always like to do air testing in conjunction with a tape lift and tape lifts because we can do that in several rooms. And when we do any air testing to kind of cover that and tape lifts, I touched on it a little bit. But if I'm running an air sample in, let's say, your master bedroom, I do not run a sample in there and use that same cassette and go down into the living room or over into a hallway. We only use, and it's the same with tape lifts, swabs, any of that. We only use one sample per room or per area that we've tested. If I take a tape lift, and this is why I'm not a big fan of the Ermi test, it's a more of a dust sample. If I take a tape lift on the baseboard in your family room in the basement and same piece of tape, and I go into a bedroom in the basement, and then I take that same piece of tape, and I go upstairs into the living room, and then I go, you know, into a bedroom or the kitchen. When I get my results back, first and foremost, I I would have done it in so many areas. My lab would probably report back to me that it's a contaminated sample, meaning there's so much stuff on that that tape, they can't even tell. It's too big of an area for them to figure it out. And which makes sense. You've, you've probably, you know, you have mold spores on top of mold spores. You could have just normal dust, sheetrock dust. There's all sorts of stuff. Skin cells, you know, dead skin, I guess is probably a better way of saying it. Could have hair, dander from a dog. Like if you go and do that in four different areas, they, they're not going to be able to read it. But on top of that, let's just say it is a clear. The clarity of the sample is it's high clarity and they're able to see everything and they go, yep, there's some stachybotrys. There's a high count of that. Well, if I tested that in the family room, the kitchen, and one other room, even if I only did two rooms, let's just say the the family room and the kitchen, how do we know where those mold spores came from? We don't. Keep that in mind that you never take a sample, whether it's an air test, a swab, or a tape lift, or even a bulk sample, and you take it from numerous areas. Only take it from one area. And I know that's difficult for those of you that are listening. You're like, man, Steve, you don't understand. It's, you know, they're charging us $80 every sample they're sending to the lab. Well, I get it. But in my opinion, it would be worth it to spend $160 to do two tests and know where the problem is versus, you know, only spending $80 and you don't know where the problem is. And going back to, like, how do you know what type of testing, once again, you have to have a inspection, an inspection, or a mold assessment, or a VPA. You have to have the property assessed because if it comes down to it and we're in your house and we're done and you're like, hey, Steve, so what do you think? You know, everything looked good, right? And I say, yeah, everything does look good. You know, we, we only found some water stains in the attic that was right below some missing shingles. And you know, below that attic area, there was no water stains on the ceiling. You know, what I would suggest is maybe we run an air test up in the attic after we do the outside test, or, you know, maybe we saw some water damage in a bathroom. Maybe we run a an air sample in that bathroom or do some tape lifts. My point is, is your inspector is going to know where you should test and what type of testing needs to be done. And even if everything looks great, I don't prefer, unless my client wants it, I don't prefer to only do air testing. I like to have some sort of direct sampling, meaning a tape lift or swab or a bulk sample to do in conjunction with the air testing. 
So that's the answer to that. How do you know what types of tests? You need to have a, a good inspector, a good specialist that comes in and tells you. So what's our call to action? I just said it. Make sure you have a proper inspection or assessment of your property. I know it's great to say, hey, you know, my, my husband's a contractor or my spouse is a contractor or my brother's a framer or my other sister's an electrician and whatever. You actually need somebody that is certified and experienced as a mold specialist and different municipalities have different requirements. Um, sometimes you'll hear it as a, you know, an industrial hygienist is a lot different than a mold inspector. Um, a mold tester is different than an industrial hygienist. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the which is better, you know, industrial hygienist. Typically you have to have a, a degree. Um, so a lot of times we see engineers that are industrial hygienists. They, it doesn't make them more qualified than somebody else. You know, just make sure you're hiring the right professional and that you're getting the proper testing done. So keep that in mind. If, if you want to rule out mold concerns, we can't even do it just on an inspection and testing. We would have to get the medical, you know, just we, we, we talked about Dr. Fox, um, you know, she was kind enough to come do a uh, interview last month. And uh, for all you listeners that listen to that, we had really, really good feedback about that. So hopefully um, it's really difficult for to for the post production on the guests. Um, for you listeners, there's a lot more to just uh, recording something, um, especially with Dr. Fox. You know, there's a lot of post production involved. So I guess my point is, is we'd love to have someone like her on all the time. I don't have the time to, to always do that post-production, but she does have a course um, that she's working on. And I told her to let us know uh, when she's about to launch that. And we'll work hand in hand with her and try to get uh, try to get the word out um, that you can take a course from her. But anyhow, it's important to get the medical side involved. If you get what I call the blue collar side, my side of it, and you get the medical side from, you know, functional medicine doctor like Dr. Fox, at that point, that's when we can actually rule out, you know, and I'm still clear. I don't like to say, no, you don't have a mold problem, but that's where we can rule out things and make sure, you know, maybe it's Lyme's disease or maybe it's other neurotoxins from heavy metals or whatever. That's why we want to make sure that we get everybody involved. So don't just assume that if you get a really good inspector, really good tester and a really good specialist involved and really good testing on our side of it, that we can rule out mold. You still got to get the medical side involved. So I touched on a little bit about the VPAs. I do offer virtual property assessments. I will put the link in the description, um, but they're well worth the money. You don't need a bunch of tools. You need a good flashlight, a device, obviously, for a Zoom link, a ladder to be able to get up in the attic and do whatnot. There are things you can rent like an infrared camera, moisture detectors, but more or less, it's something I offer. I started doing it during uh, the the COVID uh, pandemic so that I could offer these things to my clients. So if you're, I've done them with clients in Kuwait, um, done it for people in India. So if you're across the globe, I can still help you out with a property inspection. Obviously being on site's the best, but you can go to our website and uh, book one of those VPAs. Well worth the money. Uh, there's a questionnaire that, that you get. Uh, we schedule. Go ahead and do that. You can go to our website, cnccontractorservices.com or check on the link. But once again, thank you for listening. This was episode 217. Have a great day. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the Mold Investigation Checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free Mold Investigation Checklist today. You can also, on cnccontractorservices.com, find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com.